Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be do- joined by Goisha Fermanik from Fenner. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Good, good. So today's going to be an interesting one because I feel like I'm, I'm going to learn a lot today as well. So we're going to be talking about open banking. Um, but before we get into the detail to find out the kind of the what and the how and the benefits. Do you want to give us a, a bit of introduction about yourself, how you became the co-founder of Fenner and what Fenner does? Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you very much for hosting uh, us here uh, in the podcast. So my name is Gosha and um, I started a business called Fenner back in 2019 at the end of 2019. And the reason that kind of why um, kind of I joined uh, Fenner and why I decided to 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 kind of dedicate my uh, kind of professional life into uh, open banking is um, we felt that open banking is such a great um, concept when it comes to uh, businesses, mostly because it helps businesses to uh, a optimize the cost structure, but also access um, data to inform the business decision. And it's quite interesting from the retail perspective. And in terms of my kind of a little bit uh, about my background. So my background is primarily in technology, mostly in marketing and products. So uh, before Fena, I was head of marketing for a company called Riala. And Riala was commercial property search engine that got then acquired by a larger US company called Costa. And before that, I worked for a an events uh, kind of advertising and technology events company called Can Lions. So that's kind of my uh, professional background. And in terms of Fena, so Fena, we kind of um, started the, the journey to mostly help small and medium businesses to compete with their larger enterprises on the technological level, uh, utilizing open banking. And that's kind of what uh, what drives us and what our mission is to bring the, the open banking technology to more of a smaller businesses to let them uh, compete with the larger businesses. Excellent. So uh, a, a wide journey, lots of tech involved in kind of your previous lives. So mm-hmm. for, for the, the uneducated, and I'll include myself in that, do you want to tell us in really simple terms what open banking is, just so that we start with everybody on the same level of understanding? Yeah, definitely. So open banking is a kind of UK interpretation of a wider legislation called PSD2, and that's Payment System Directive 2. And that legislation was um, introduced in the UK and wider in the EU, mostly because um, our basically um, legislators wanted to bring more kind of uh, competition in a for. Um, in terms of payments and financial services in Europe to compete with the US companies, uh, aka uh, Visa and MasterCard on the payments uh, uh, rail system. Uh, So that's one part of it. And B, it's effectively a framework that allows um, regulated technology businesses to build a connection with banks across UK and Europe to access payments rails on one side and on the other side to have access to data that is effectively gathered by banks. So the transactional data, the, um, the individual bank account holder data and business bank account holder data. And that data can be then made available via an easy interface built by technology businesses uh, used by both consumer and other businesses effectively. Got it. So if I play that back to you for just to check my understanding it's a a way of 
de-risking the market in terms of the reliance on Visa and MasterCard. So to enable others with the use of technology to have a standard way of uh, taking payment, making that transaction and then holding all the records around it. Is that a fair assumption? I think that's that's fair assumption and that's just a part of it, but also ability to, we gather so much data as well from our transactions on the bank account um, and that data can be made available for technology businesses, but other other businesses as well through technology uh, to use for things like, for example, loyalty programs or analyzing the transactional data, is onboarding of the businesses as well. So that's one part of it, plus the payment side. So utilizing our great banking system and in the UK, faster payment network to make faster and quick and cheaper payments between businesses and individuals, individuals and individuals and both businesses and businesses to make sure that we can get paid easier and quicker and in more cost-effective way, effectively. Okay, so you've you've touched on some of the benefits there. So it it can potentially be quicker, you said cheaper as well. How does that work? Yeah, mostly because it utilizes just effectively utilizes a bank to bank transfer. So it cuts off um, within the normal uh, card uh, processing. Um, it takes about five or six different parties involved, and each party takes a fee, obviously, of the transaction to make sure that they can provide a service. In that case, you effectively you tra- uh, transfer money between one bank account to another bank account and use a third party provider like Fena to facilitate that transaction. So effectively, you cut a lot of um, middlemen, and because of uh, having that more simple structure we can simplify the cost and offer a cheaper transaction but versus card transactions because it certainly from a retail environment it i suppose it for me there's that annoyance if you buy something they take the money straight away but then Mm -hmm. if you refund something it can take you know some people quote seven to ten days so should Mm -hmm. it theoretically speed up some of that process or is just is that just their internal process no, it actually, it's a clear clearing of the uh, payment. But yes, it can uh, speed up that process mostly because in our case, we built a reverse bank transfer. So effectively uses the same rails in a faster payment network. So the refund can be literally within seconds. Gotcha. So that's p- potentially uh, as well a benefit to a consumer. Yeah. And any other benefits that you're kind of discussing with, with clients we've not talked about? Yeah, definitely. It's also fraud prevention, mostly because it doesn't use any kind of card details or any kind of details. It's all using APIs effectively. So, uh, A, um, from a consumer perspective, they require strong authentication to authenticate a transaction. And from the uh, retailer perspective, they don't hold any details like card details. It's all being tokenized and it's all using APIs. So there is no way of, for example, leaking the card details data. So that prevents fraud and also um, helps uh, basically all retailers to make sure that the compliant data is more secure. And, and I can still use my um credit card or bank card to make the payment it's just then processed in a different no, way it's yeah. not so it's not the bank uh, using your own uh, online banking or mobile banking yeah so we cut out we cut out the card in effect and we're dealing straight from bank to, to then bank. yeah to bank got it got it good and that whole security thing is clearly a, a big um upside because of gdpr and we've seen over the, over the news in you know the last I don't know now, 
four or five years of people leaving laptops on tube trains with personal data in and um, clearly there's that suspicion around who's listening to us and which countries might be trying to hack data or influence elections so that it, it's a big topic isn't it that are people rightly so are very concerned from a personal data point of view but then from a corporate point of view that whole data governance piece. Yeah, effectively, those transactions have a bank-level security because it requires bank-level authentication to um, make a transfer between one bank account to another. Excellent. And there's a benefit, and and you might need to explain this to me, of de-risking our reliance on the American banking system. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's more or less of a banking system, more of a, a payment rails. So card payment rails are kind of the main two uh, providers, which is effectively Visa and MasterCard. Mm-hmm. And there are American companies. And if someone's someone else is in the White House and they decided that they want to, I don't know, impose some sort of restriction on uh, those companies selling uh, abroad that might uh, affect other uh, countries, so as a response, we need to have an alternative way of getting paid. And uh, um, so using uh, homegrown uh, rails like Faster Payment Network in the UK or uh, SEPA in Europe, we can kind of make our system more resilient and more kind of uh, uh, kind of reliance on our own infrastructure, local infrastructure instead of uh, foreign infrastructure. And again, from a, and I'm sure Visa and MasterCard spend a lot of money and have a lot of um security around their processes but they must be prime targets again for kind of cyber attacks um ransomware and all those kind of things yeah that's correct as well Uh, plus here obviously because we using effectively bank transfer which banks are probably one of the most regulated uh, entities uh, from the financial services so they security is top notch and on this, uh, also, it requires strong authentication on the ca- uh, from the customer perspective. So they need to approve that specific transaction in order to to release money from their bank account to the um, whoever they pay their business or other individuals. So I get all the benefits, understand what it is. So we've kind of lost the car. We're dealing directly with bank to bank. There's not really any data that's being moved that if it was um, leaked because we're going through the APIs, you could find out personal information, which is great. If somebody says, get all that, sounds brilliant. How do they go around implementing open banking? I think there is um, there are providers like ourselves that make uh, open banking APIs available as a off-the-shelf products or uh, using our SDKs or APIs. We also offer plugins for various, uh, for example, e-commerce services like WooCommerce, Shopify, and similar. So so there's a various way of going about it. Either just simple, with, in our case, it's registration on our portal uh, and um, just trying and see if they can generate payment links using our dashboard or if they want to implement it on the, for example, e-commerce website and they have a bespoke website they can use, generate API keys and integrate um, our solution using APIs or SDKs. And if they use, for example, use a Shopify, they can use our application, install it and add uh, open banking payments as one of the options in the checkout. And from a consumer point of view, that I'm going to go and shop in, I used to work at Boots, so let's use Boots mm-hmm. as an example. I go into shopping Boots, I go to the self-checkout. How does the journey change for me then from a normal, get my card out of my wallet, how, what happens then? So, for example, on the, let's say it's a, a in-person uh, payment, so 
what they can do, we can display a QR code on the um, either a tablet or EPOS, whatever they're using, and a consumer can just scan that QR code and select the bank they want to pay with. So, for example, if they want to pay with their, let's say, NatWest bank account, uh, NatWest uh, mobile banking would open on their mobile and has a basically pre-fill transaction detail. So, let's say they're paying £25 to a company called Boots, they just approve it. And they just get redirected to confirmation page that the payment has been made. And on the screen, we can display that the payment has been made and it's a successful transaction. Have you? Uh, this reminds me of a journey. So I think HMRC, so the the tax people, I think they use Correct. something similar because I've done this when we've been paying our kind of monthly tax bills. You get a QR code on the screen, you scan it, it opens our HSBC app on my phone. I then do the face ID to authenticate, confirm the payment. It then, the screen refreshes and it says payment complete and it sends me an email to say it's done. Yeah, so uh, HMRC uses actually open banking and they were one of the first adopters of open banking technology here in the UK on the kind of larger scale. Got it. So it's, it's good enough for HMRC, I suppose, is the, the, strap, the strap line to that, which is quite a strong endorsement. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Good. So... Implementing is relatively easy. Have you got any other kind of uh, user case examples or, or case studies you can share with us just so it, people can start to get a feel of how it works? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think because a lot of uh, we obviously it's not like a miracle solution. Uh, it's a solution especially good for uh, businesses that actually have a quite high value transaction because that's where they can see the benefits of open banking straight away on the cost side. So uh, one of the good uh, examples is, for example, furniture uh, companies. Um, they often have, uh, um, they take, let's say, orders in store, but the furniture is being delivered, let's say, two or three or five weeks later. And that is a very good example of use case for open banking. So they can generate the order, a customer can pay in store by either scanning a QR code, they can get an uh, e-link uh, sent to the email address with the order confirmation there. They click on the link, uh, complete the transaction, the payments received straight away by the retailer, and then the order is being basically sent to wherever they need to fulfill their order for the furniture side. And that is actually a very good uh, use case uh, because the, the transactions tend to be more high value. The saving is significant, will be about 80% cheaper than card payments. So that is a, a significant benefit to a retailer. And customer had quite seamless experience on paying for quite high value product. And that so high value is good because we're saving um, proportionally of the, money on the, the fee. But, yeah, but there must, exactly. There must also be a benefit if you have lots of small transactions just because of the volume. That's that's true as well. So lots of smaller transactions can be done quite quickly, and uh, it definitely sh helps with getting money faster on the bank account instead of waiting, I don't know, five seven days for the card processor to release the funds. So it can, helps with the cash flow if there is a high volume. Uh, of transactions that need to be received quite quickly on a bank account. Yeah, which can make a massive difference to some companies yeah, because of that. It, there's always that belief that somewhere somewhere in the middle of taking the payment and getting the money and then the reverse logistics of issuing the refund and the customer getting the money back, somebody in the middle's holding a, a lot of money. Yeah, for quite a few days, basically. Yeah, with a with a, in an in an environment where there's high interest rates, you can you can make a lot of money off holding money for a few days, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that, that does. Yeah, especially now if you can get five, six percent on on the deposits. Excellent. Good. Um, so if if we've got people listening to this and they're thinking, okay, that that sounds really interesting, and, and we know that people are looking for cost efficiencies, but you know, I'd I'd class this as a, a payment efficiency from a, a speed of getting the money into your business, a speed of getting money back out to customers on refunds, which I think is really important, but but also that security, um, the data protection piece and the whole cash flow. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about how Fenner could help, what where's the best way for them to do that? I think the best way is to start on our website, which is fena, F-E-N-A dot C-O. And then there is a contact page that you can contact us via the website. You can also connect with me directly. And my email address is gosia at fena.co. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just my name and surname. So it's Gosha Formanik on LinkedIn. Perfect. And we'll, we'll put some of those details on the show notes so people can click through and find you on, on LinkedIn. Um, so it, it sounds like we're kind of at the cusp of this. You know, we talked about HMRC using it, which is clearly that, that big endorsement. Um, but it sounds like potentially this could revolutionize some of that cash flow and data data security over the next uh, few years, plus also de-risking us from what what doesn't doesn't happen in in America, which feels relatively stable. But as as we've seen before, their presidents change, and we agree or disagree with who they've got in. Plus, there's you know various conflicts around the world that that they're involved in as well, which you know we, we potentially are. But it does seem that Visa, Mastercard have maybe. A monopoly is not the right word, but had a very low level of competition over the years, and this this might start to change the game. Yeah, it, it helps us to utilize our own homegrown infrastructure, which is, which is great. And uh, it's it's also what's quite interesting, which I wanted to add is um, what's coming for open banking, which which are effectively variable recurring payments, which could potentially replace two, two types of payments direct debits and card on file mm-hmm. and that is another exciting development in the kind of uh, world of open banking and uh, so effectively that's coming very soon uh, i know there was a consultation by the regulator here and they're quite keen to start pushing that solution to to the to the effectively uh, real world so we we're looking forward to implementing variable recurring payments for uh, for commercial use cases yeah, and it's interesting that card on file you mentioned. Mm. I think I think some banks have a limit of nine organisations you can have on file, and I think what that means is if you've got a recurring payment with Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon, whatever, once you mm. re- once you reach nine people, retailers, whatever, you can't then add any more. So you can't then add that card to Apple Wallet because you've already got nine vendors on file. So again, opens up. A wider range of opportunities for people yeah and a wider range of opportunities plus uh, re- again reduced cost because that would be a very competitive price compared to the card payments recurring par- uh, card payments for subscriptions for, for instance excellent well that, i've found this fascinating it uh, when you um we kind of talked off off air about how this episode would work and, and what we talk talk about. I found it interesting then, but fascinating to discuss um, something I hadn't realised I'd used until we talked today. So again, learning all the time. But 
yeah, let's let's stay connected. Um, again, if you're listening to the podcast and you find this interesting, we'll we'll put the details in the show notes. So please reach out to Goisha and and have a chat, and we'll keep a close eye on the on how this technology progresses. But finally, kind of thank you for your time. I know you, I know you're busy, and uh, appreciate you taking the time out to chat. Cheers! Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome.